Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast number 73, the UK's digital TV and technology show. The show that's driven by feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me today is our tech guru, Pete. Hi there. Crystal balls at the ready, as today we're looking at the home of 2027. Now, here's a look at what we'll be talking about in today's tantalising take on technology. Roku Media Streaming hits the UK. Sky F1 and Sky Go for Android. Unlimited broadband down to £2.50 a month. The BlackBerry Playbook gets a facelift. Plus, internet TVs, streaming video and webcam questions. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast now loading news. First off, Freeview. As we covered in show 65, from 2013, almost a million Freeview homes may be affected by interference from the new 4G mobile network. To combat this, the government has announced a £180 million programme to supply filters or satellite receivers to those affected. More on our show notes. Some broadband news now. Tesco has just launched an unlimited broadband service for only £2.50 a month, if you order by the end of May. This is a pretty impressive deal, but for some reason, to qualify, you need to have a Tesco club card. Link on our show notes. Next, DAB. Due to changes rolled out on the 1st of March, DAB radios need to be retuned. Check your radio's menu for an auto-scan or auto-tune option to make sure you can still get your digital stations. Next, fancy a Raspberry Pi? No, it's not a delicious dessert, it's a new computer, complete with Ethernet, USB, HDMI and SD. The price? £21.60. The Raspberry Pi runs Linux and is a fully functioning credit card sized computer that you can connect to a TV set, run software and play HD video. These were originally intended for educational use to encourage young coders, but when these were launched at the end of February there was such a massive demand you now have to go on a back order list. See the link on our show notes to pre-order. The Pi is something we'll be reviewing in a future show. Next. I'm Susie Perry from The Gadget Show. I'm John from Channel 5's Gadget Show. This is Otis from The Gadget Show. But not for much longer. When Channel 5's Gadget Show returns in April, it will be without Susie, John and Otis. The new format will show Jason and Polly travelling around the world in search of gadgets. You can see all five presenters for the last time at Gadget Show Live in April and will be there. Next, February saw the launch of the PlayStation Vita games console, with 1.2 million sold worldwide since launch. Cheapest price we found, £197. Next, the Connect TV service has launched on Freeview, between channels 110 and 116. This will offer 45 TV channels, including foreign language services, Sports Tonight Live and Racing TV. The subscription service uses internet-enabled TVs and set-top boxes. At launch, Sony and Panasonic TVs plus TV Onyx boxes are supported. Some quick snippets. Want a robot vacuum cleaner for just £66? Thanks to listener Tish for spotting this bargain. Link on our show notes. The iPad 3 is on the way. Details announced on March the 7th. 
And in Sky News, this month sees the launch of Sky's Formula One channel, free if you have Sky HD or Sky Sports. Sky has also launched its Sky Go app for Android smartphones and tablets. Also, if you're quick and you're not a Sky customer, you can sign up and get a £100 voucher. Link to this voucher on our show notes. And finally, the Ultimate PVR has arrived. The new Promise TV hard disk recorder records every Freeview TV and radio show all of the time, giving you a complete week's worth of Freeview on demand. The downside? Due to the massive amount of hard disk space needed to capture 10,000 programmes a week, the price is £2,000. Ouch. Thanks, Pete. For more on these stories and others, visit frequencycast.co.uk slash news. Frequencycast. Now loading. Focus. OK, it's focus time and we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, tomorrow's world, aren't we, Pete? Yes, we are. What we're going to be doing is looking into the future. To be more precise, 15 years into the future. Uh, Carl, any thoughts on what you'll be doing 15 years from now? Well, my watch will be slimmer. But still as functional. Maybe have a few more extra functions. I'm thinking I'd like to be driving one of those new cars. It's £80,000 with the solar-powered sunroof. It has an engine that charges the electric motor. Okay, what about your mobile phone? How do you see that looking in 15 years? Well, I feel it's going to be more iPhone looky-likey. Well, we've already got one of those. Try and think more creative. 15 years from now, could we have a surgically implanted phone or a slimline paper disposable phone, something like that? Well, we've already got those paper watches, haven't we? I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Technology. And if you'd asked me about 20 years ago, what's the one piece of technology everyone's going to be walking around with? Telling me it's going to be a phone with a camera on it and video players and media and I don't know, I don't think I'd have believed you. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, uh, well, what about uh, money? Will you be still carrying cash around in 15 years? No, they won't let me. Of course, we've actually got a step closer to the whole cashless society with the Barclays app that's just been released. That lets you send money to other people's bank accounts via a mobile phone. So I could send you some cash just by knowing your mobile phone number. And of course, these near field devices where you just wave your phone in front of a little sensor like the Oyster card. So cash could be a thing of the past. I rather think that cash should never go. Well, you're still clinging on to checks, aren't you? Only the ones you write me. Okay, so what about the future of the internet 15 years from now? Well, it'll certainly be faster. I think the applications will be bigger, better, uh, slicker. I don't know. I kind of feel that we're going to be suspended in this, which we already are to a degree in this uh, internet sort of digital world where we don't really actually have to interact in the real world. Okay, well, we're kind of guessing here. Let us talk to an expert on the future of the internet and see where we will be 15 years from now. Are you ready? Let's do it. Broadband provider Plusnet has recently published a report that looks at predictions for the home of 2027, and it makes pretty interesting reading. Now, we spoke to Nick Rawlins, who is Plusnet's commercial and marketing director, and we started out by asking Nick why this report's been put together. The report's been it was commissioned by us to look 15 years hence at what the internet might offer to, to customers. The premise being that we as a company, Plusnet's 15 years old this month, and we're interested to speculate that in 15 years' time, what type of services might we be kind of offering to consumers or, or what might they be able to do with their internet connection. So we, we talked to some guys called the Centre for Future Studies, and in particular, a professor called uh, Frank Shaw, who's quite a renowned thinker in terms of future technology and and we really asked him to consider uh, based on what he saw being developed now 
what the internet use of the future might hold in store. I can't help thinking of future predictions as the old tomorrow's world thing where there's robots wandering around the house and, uh, you know, we'd all be working from home and eating little pills instead of food. Uh, were you surprised by what you found? It certainly is different, isn't it, from those two, because I'm old enough to remember tomorrow's world and I haven't had my robot yet. So um, that kind of vision of the future never fully came to fruition. I think the kind of interesting change in, in how this sort of vision of the future looks is that it's less about machines or big bits of equipment sort of driving the future. It's more about sort of the integration of the internet into literally the fabric of our homes and our lives. And it doesn't rely on sort of a robot going around your house doing the dusting. Although we do still have these robots that do the vacuuming, of course. They're always good fun. But there is a vacuuming robot, yes, I've, I have seen that one, actually. I can see how that could be quite popular, but broadband connectivity will be... I think increasingly added to a number of household items and appliances, people will be in increasingly getting the opportunity to use the internet to operate and automate sort of areas of their life. Now, there's a lovely picture that uh, you've sent through to me, which is the home of 2027. And if we can, we'll put up a picture of this up on our website. What I'd like to do, though, is take a little wander through the house with you, if I may. But it starts off at the front door, where uh, there's no doorbell, there's something else. What do we see at the front door of the future? The front door sees a means by which you can get into your home not not using uh, a key it's kind of using recognition technology to identify you and therefore allow you access to your home but equally sort of show show visitors to your home in a, in a way that allows you to screen them before they enter now i saw a reference in the report to uh, the idea of it capturing somebody's face and doing a criminal records check or something similar to uh, <laughs> see if there's anyone bogus at the door if you think about things like airports today some facets of this technology is already in use so if you're savvy you, you can go and get your retina scanned can't you today and you can use that as a means to kind of jump queues at an airport and get a fast track kind of id through security if that's already in operation and works to a level which would allow our kind of border controls to let people in and out of the country is probably not a massive extension that it becomes reliable enough to let you in and out of your home. Okay, is there any chance we can get this programme so that the people knocking on the door from these energy companies trying to get us to switch can be screened out? I, I think there's got to be some interesting things we could do with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you, know, you, you know, just in a way that I suppose you can set different ringtones on your mobile phone for different types of callers. Maybe there's a way you could use this technology to give a different type of response to uh, different callers at your home, depending on how welcome they were. What a great idea. Okay. Moving on through the house, any thoughts on how we can see our lounge changing? Well, uh, there's some quite radical ideas here, actually. That, um, th this is literally the fabric of your living room potentially changing to become an entertainment uh, source for you. So you, you kind of see in the picture how, and I don't know how much these houses will cost, but how potentially the, the, the walls of your living room could become themselves screens for projecting content of various sorts onto and actually the, the, your sort of TV experience becomes 360 degrees as you're actually surrounded by whatever entertainment media you're consuming. I saw something in this report as well about clothing monitoring your health. This sounds at the more sort of practical and believable end of, of the kind of the way that technology might support you. And my understanding is that this type of technology isn't actually far from coming to market. I think the uh, the idea, the concept that you're your clothing can effectively act as a as a monitor on your kind of health and well-being it, it sounds far-fetched but probably the fact that you're kind of effectively surrounding your body in your clothes and therefore you can take things like temperature and heartbeat it's a fairly believable means by which connectivity can can give you access to data which otherwise you'd have to kind of go and see 
uh, a doctor or something to get. The thing that scares me here, though, on this report is what happens in the loo. <laughs> Uh, you felt a little bit uncomfortable about getting data back from your trips to the bathroom. Well, it seems to indicate here that uh, your doctors can access information on the waste products from your toilet to decide whether you have any unusual illnesses. That sounds a little bit too unpleasant for my liking. I mean, again, you can see how the technology could... It's not a big jump to see how that technically could be feasible. Health and well-being, I guess, is, is an interest to, to, to all people, and I think... Um, if, if it offered the opportunity to be diagnosed with something which could be harmful to you. People, I think, would take a little time to get their head around it, but, but maybe. I think, as you said earlier, though, uh, a lot of this is not necessarily for everyone. It is going to be a sort of a top-end thing that those with the money and the large premises could add to their home. I think we're a long way from you know, your average person getting this kind of kit. What I did like was the idea of homeworking, and I guess this is something PlusNet would be interested in. It was a reference as well to um, 3D contact lenses linking into your office email or something weird, which does seem a little bit freaky. But what are your thoughts on uh, working from home in the future? Yeah, I, I think you're right to say that this is one of the areas where there's absolutely a clear need. People, employees are looking for more flexible models to manage their work-life balance. I think there has been a significant shift in the number of home workers in the UK. And I think from an employer point of view, that's clearly also attractive because there's less people to house in a big building, which takes lots of heat and lighting and all of that stuff. So so I think the need here is, is really clear, actually. I myself have experienced kind of a, a bit of time working at home. And I think part of the challenge of it is that at times you can feel isolated from other members of your team. And so if technology can help break down those barriers more to make it uh, possible to do things like have a an interactive meeting with people in multiple locations, then I think that's, that's a very powerful application of the internet and new technology. So looking forward to 2027, there's a, a quote here from uh, the report's author, Dr. Shaw. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot access the internet. This report has a fairly scary number of uh, how many people don't have access to the net at the moment. Do you happen to have that number to hand? Yeah, the, the study flags up that there's just over 8 million adults in the UK who don't have access to the internet. Now that's a heck of a lot, isn't it? Which is a significant number by anybody's imagination. And what is PlusNet doing to to try and get these people connected. Part of our responsibility as an internet service provider is to offer low-cost packages to mean that certainly on the basis of money, people aren't excluded from the ability to be online. So as a service provider, we, we offer some of the best value packages in the UK. We've, we've got, for example, a, our entry-level broadband package. We offer £3.24 in, in urban areas a month for the first 12 months. Do you think, though, that people aren't getting connected for, for cost reasons or are there any sort of more social reasons that maybe people aren't getting connected? We found, we've, we're working with an organisation called Get Online Sheffield. We've been out to a lot of community centres, uh, libraries, public places where people are invited along to get a first sample and taster of the internet who've never used it before. And that was really interesting. What we found is that there's a nervousness that still resides amongst a minority of the population about technology, generally computers. Actually, until you start breaking down some of those barriers, you're never going to persuade those people to get online, even if they have the money and the means to do so. One other final question for you. Um, linear TV and the idea of TV aerials and satellite dishes. Do you think uh, that will be out the window by 2027? I think it's true to say that there's quite a long way to go there. I mean, I've, I've looked at some other research we've done. We've, we've looked at people's um, usage behaviour of, of TV and the, the kind of way that the customer consumption tends to go, in our view, is that people start with a linear TV. If you sit down on a Friday night, you check what's on the broadcast channels 
if that's not yielding anything you enjoy, then because quite a lot of people have got a personal video recorder, a PVR device in their in their home, they'll look at anything they've recorded which they definitely wanted to watch. If that doesn't yield anything, then they might start looking at some of the catch-up and on-demand TV options. But I think for most consumers, people still start at the linear end of the spectrum and have a browse to see what's on the Beeb or what's on Channel 4 before they'll think about some of the non-linear options. You're absolutely right to say that that process will be much further advanced by 2027. And this is a strange thing to say because it sort of uh, flies in the face of, uh, of some of the sort of technology we've been espousing. But I think in the world of TV, there is probably always going to be a demand for, for this sort of linear experience because I think there are certain events that you want to see real time as a shared experience, be it a major sporting event or a royal wedding or whatever it is, that aren't quite as good in catch-up. Nick, if we may, we're going to be giving you a call in 2027 just to find out how accurate you were. I look forward to it. You probably won't even have to dial anything. You'll just be able to say my name and I will appear on, on a wall in your home. If I could have some warning so I can make sure I've had a shave, uh, that would be really good. There you go. So, interesting stuff, Carl? Fascinating stuff. Frequency cast meets tomorrow's world. I'm holding my breath. <gasps> there you go. And you can find a longer version of that interview up on our website. Go and have a look at the show notes for Frequency Cast Show 73. Carl, you can stop holding your breath now. <gasps> Right, Pete, talk to me about the BlackBerry Playbook. Ah, well, last month we announced that BlackBerry had absolutely slashed the price of their tablet, the Playbook, and we had quite a lot of feedback on the story. Carl, read this one for me. This one's from Mick Cole. He says, Hi, guys, just to let you know, I took note of your tweet and bought the Playbook. Absolutely brilliant! Bought it mainly for web browsing, but as I have a BlackBerry, it connects to that, and basically it mirrors the BlackBerry information on the Playbook. Nice! Yeah, we've heard really good things about how these tablets integrate with BlackBerry mobile phones. Good stuff. He also adds, he's just listened to the latest podcast about the Sky Info. Sky Info? Sky Info. What info was that, Pete? Oh, this is something we covered in the last show about Sky's internet plans. So they're adding the iPlayer onto the uh, on-demand service and also basically making it easier to get on-demand content over the internet. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. And what he found most interesting is that their VOD service or VOD service, uh, Sky Anytime Plus, will be available even if you don't have Sky Broadband. And uh, as he has BT, this is good news. Yes, so originally when Sky Anytime Plus launched, you had to have Sky Broadband for that to work. Now it's going to be open to any broadband connection, which does make a big difference. Just going back to the BlackBerry Playbook, we also heard from Dan over in the Frequency Cast forum. What did he have to say, Carl? Well, he had some very interesting news. He says that the OS 2 for the Playbook comes out soon and promises to blow the socks off the iPad. Hmm, okay, more on that in a second. Carry on. Oh, what? You know otherwise, do you? Anyway, he says, it might be worth doing a roundup of the new features. I guess there are a few more out there due to the low prices. And when he says low prices, am I right in saying that this went from, what, £300-odd to how much? Well, you can now pick one of these up for 169 which for a decent spec tablet is pretty silly money. He says, I've had one for a couple of months now, and I'm really impressed. And next week we should get the Android player for the playbook, bringing a lot of new apps to the playbook. So right, come on then, what is this BlackBerry thing? Is this an iPad or what? It's a rather nice device. It's a 7-inch touchscreen device. Now, we don't have one, although I have actually played with one, but if you look at my Galaxy Tab, it's about that kind of form factor. Nice, I like the Galaxy Tab, that was good. And what the BlackBerry Playbook has is it's got a front and rear camera, built-in Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all the usual stuff, GPS, which is good for a a low-priced tablet. It comes in 16, 32 and 64 gig. It has micro USB, something 
something that you don't find on other tablet devices we could mention. But the really cool thing is it has HDMI. High definition midges. So unlike the other tablets out there, you can plug it into your telly or into your projector and do high definition video and high quality presentations from it. Wow, that's cool. So you can actually just show everyone your films or whatever's on it. Also, it's got USB, again, something you don't find on other tablets we could mention. And 169, silly, silly price. And there is a link on our show notes to how to get this at that rather crazy price. Now, even I understand the advantage of having mini USB and HDMI connectors on these sort of products. And I've got to be honest, I have a lot of friends who are big fans of their uh, iPhones, their iPads, etc. and so forth. But uh, I do hear quite a lot of bitchiness about the connector problem. There you go. Who are these friends you've got? Well, I don't know their names because they all wear glasses. So what about this uh, update he mentions? Update of what? Is that the software or what? Yes, Dan was referring to the OS2 update. And it's not coming soon. It's already gone. It was released on the 21st of February. And it brings a nice load of updates to this playbook. The first thing it does is adds email, calendar and contacts in a dedicated app. Before it didn't have that and you had to sync it with your phone, which is a bit inconvenient. But now it finally has email, calendar and contacts. Something you'd expect from a tablet device, it has to be said, so about time too. All right, so tidying up a few loose ends, what else does this have as an advantage? Well, they've sorted out the Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn integration, which is good. They've brought out the Amazon Kindle app for it, which is rather nice. What do you mean? So it's ebook time? Well, it came with a Kobo, which is a basic ebook reader, but now Amazon Kindle for it is a uh, rather nice addition. So obviously increases the availability of books. There is one slight caveat to that. The day this was brought out, the 21st of February, uh, the Kindle app got pulled because of some bugs. So this really is the latest in handheld tablets, really. The really cool bit, though, that Dan points out is the addition of Android applications. So applications that run on Android mobile phones, you can now run on this BlackBerry tablet, which really does open up the market. There are a couple of caveats, though. Not all Android apps work on it. They do have to be ported across and they have to be vetted by RIM and added to the BlackBerry store. So you can't just download an app and install it. It has to go through their engine to make it work. But nonetheless, that does suddenly mean we could be in for a heck of a lot of new apps on this uh, rather nice little tablet. But it's not like you have to go to the Mac shop or something and get clearance, is it? A little certificate and a a stamped addressed envelope or whatever. Uh, So there you go, the BlackBerry Playbook still out, 169 silly, silly prices for a rather powerful little tablet device. Link up on our show notes. Very tempting. Frequency cast, now loading, interaction. Time to look at your questions and comments. First off, Mark Webb got in touch to tell us about his experiences with the Roku. Well, Mark's referring to the Roku 2XS, and if you're interested, that's spelled R-O-K-U. It looks a little bit like the Apple TV, so it sits in your hand, it's a black box, it's Wi-Fi enabled, it's got a micro SD socket on the back, and similar to Apple TV, it'll cost you in the 99 quid kind of mark. We've got some pictures of this up on the website and also uh, some links as to where to get it. Now, Mark owns one of these Rokus. He also owns the Boxy Box, and he also has an Xbox 360, and he uses all of them for media streaming, apparently. He says that he finds that the Boxy Box is the most flexible and has the most content and offers features not available on the others. Uh, the Roku is by far the easiest to use, but it's short when it comes to features and cannot play locally streamed files, at least not straight from the box. The main thing that Mark says that the Roku has got going for it is it supports Netflix. Take Netflix away and there's not much left. 
As far as Love Film versus Netflix is concerned, my vote goes to Netflix, says Mark. And of course, we looked at uh, Love Film and Netflix in the last show. Next, Dick Ami asks, I've recently bought three Powerline adapters. I can only get one slave unit to work if it is plugged into the main socket alongside the master unit. Elsewhere on the same ring main or on the next floor, no luck. You may be struggling with the Powerline adapter if you're using an extension block or you have a surge protector somewhere in the circuit. On the subject of these pesky power line adapters, radio hams have been very anti these devices, which have a reputation for creating unwanted interference to the radio spectrum. Don't know any radio hams, do you? CQ, CQ. Uh, the good news is, as reported in March's Radcom, new PLT hardware needs to comply with a new EMC compliance regulation. Bit of a mouthful, and all those regulations often are. So that's good news that we might start seeing power line adapters behaving themselves a little better. There's a link to the full story up on our show notes. And now one from Andy in Thamesmead. I have the Panasonic TX L37V10B. Could I have done that any better? TV. It has a number of built-in apps, which include a weather forecast app, Eurosport, YouTube, and Twitter. Is it possible to get any others, such as Netflix or Love Film? Well, Andy, although newer models from Panasonic support Netflix, it seems the older Vieira cast for the V10 series doesn't. See the link up on our show notes. It's worth mentioning that the old Vieira cast system is being replaced by a new internet TV service called Vieira Connect. This will support more applications as it's open to third-party developers, but sadly it's not backwards compatible. Now, Carl, complaint time. We heard from David about our fitness piece in the last show. The apps we mentioned were also available on the Windows Phone platform for your listeners, not on iWagon. Yeehaw! So please mention them and research the other platform's offerings. Yeah, so David's complaining that we didn't mention the Windows mobile phone in our piece on fitness. Well, the Windows phone system currently has somewhere between 2 and 3% of the market share. So it's a pretty small amount of uh, users actually using the phone out there. What's number one? Well, that'll be the Android platform. Okay, and number two? Well, funnily enough, Symbian is still hanging around there, but uh, iPhone, of course, uh, struggling to catch up with the fast pace of the Android phones. Right, so he makes a valid point. What we've asked him to do is ask David if he wouldn't mind becoming our Windows Phone expert and sending us in a list of suggested applications uh, to help Windows Phone users stay in shape. Uh, David, as soon as you send your list in, we'll get it published. Thank you very much. Excellent, looking forward to it. David also takes issue with our look at Love Film and Netflix uh, from the last show. Yep, he says that Netflix is huge in the States. That might explain why they only have a limited choice at the moment. Yep, and thanks to the other listeners out there that got in touch to report that Love Film has now introduced an unlimited streaming service to stave off the Netflix threat. The introductory price is just £4.99 a month, which is £1 less than Netflix. And now a podline call from Simon Hudson about mega-fast broadband. This is Simon Hudson up in East Yorkshire. Our local uh, telephone company, uh, Kingston Communications, has just started rolling out 100 megabit fibre to the home, which is quite exciting. The interesting thing on top of that, though, is that there are rumours that they're beginning to trial 500 megabit fibre. I'm wondering if anybody else uh, in the market has got those kind of speeds uh, under evaluation. Lucky old East Yorkshire for getting that kind of speed. If any of our listeners out there are getting their broadband at home over 50 megabits per second, we'd like to hear from you so we can get a bit of a feel for your experience. Please get in touch. And now one from Jennifer Aniston. She says... Hang on, hang on. Jennifer Aniston, did you say? No, I said Alison Jenner. All right, carry on. I listened to a podcast you did a while back on internet cameras. 
and I think you could do with an update. The ones you had on your podcast are quite outdated now, and I'm using the webcams from a company called iSpy247, who also have a web system which lets me log in and view my cameras as well as clips from them. And their system also alerts me if my mum goes walkabout. Maybe we can get one to track you there, Carl. Yes, a new look at home security and Wi-Fi webcams is long overdue. Perhaps that's something we can cover in the next show. If anyone out there has got any exciting camera kits to tell us about, do please get in touch. And thanks, Alison, for the suggestion that's now top of our list for the next show. Yeah, thanks for that. And now I'm from Nicholas Skippins. He says, Hi guys, just seen your promo video on the Frequency Cast homepage. Great stuff. Oh yes, if you haven't seen it, we've got 1 minute and 30 seconds of video loveliness up on our front page. Any idea when Film 4 HD is going to be available on Sky? And when will iPlayer be on the Xbox 360? Well, the BBC iPlayer is set to appear on the Xbox 360 in, quotes, early 2012, close quotes. We understand it's in testing at the time of recording. As for Film 4 HD on Sky, well, that's currently exclusive to the Virgin Cable Network at the moment, and we understand that the reason it's not yet on Sky is for commercial reasons. It's all about the money. Dan in our forum asks, I wonder if you have any information on when Samsung will be updating their internet at TV with the updated BBC iPlayer app. Also... Will Netflix be coming to internet at TV? At the moment, we have no news on when either Netflix or the updated iPlayer app will be appearing on that Samsung platform, but we will keep you updated. So if you're interested in us doing a show 74, we need some of your comments. So email us via our site or leave us a message on our answer phone. The number is 0208-133-4567. Anyway, we also need you to spread the word. So tell your Facebook friends, twits, or your LinkedIn colleagues, or phone a friend. Frequency cast. Geocaching. Bug news. A quick thanks to House of Howard for finding one of our roving memory sticks and copying the latest show to it, one of our geocache friends out there, before passing it on. It sounds like we have some new listeners. Thank you very much. If you have no idea of what we're talking about, Show 67 explains all. Happy geocaching. Frequency cast. Shutdown in progress. Well, that's all for this show, show number 73. For news updates or to get in touch, please visit frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Thanks for listening to our tantalising take on technology. And if you like what you've heard, please spread the word. Frequency Cast.